we would never know whether the um, degree of connection between us would have been the same had you omitted that story from your presentation. Um, I mean, it was certainly a catalyst to a, a deep bonding between us. Why knowledge matters. Yeah, wonderful, Andrea. So lovely that you also found time. Uh, it's, uh, I, I'm very impressed and I'm very grateful to Wern uh, that uh, he made this happen. And uh, yeah, hopefully, as he said, I think that there are hopefully many follow-ups that we can you know, continue and pursue like uh, many different uh, you know, projects will come out, I I'm sure. I definitely feel that actually the thanks is to you because Wern and I, Go a long way back, and we had this this story in common. I think that what you added is this extraordinary possibility of doing something with it that is unusual, that is very creative. So I'm all excited and very grateful. The, the story of Dirk is recorded in this book called Martyr's Mirror, um, which was uh, originally written in in Dutch and translated into English. And um, it's, uh, it has many examples, um, many examples of martyrdom that go back to the early centuries um, of the church, long before there were any Anabaptists, but the bulk of it tells the story of um, Anabaptist martyrs. And on page 741, we have a picture of Dirk Willems um, turning around and helping the person that uh, fell through the ice and was pursuing him, helping him up. So um, these line drawings um, make a lot of the stories really come alive. And um, that's that's the source of most of the information that we have about um, Dirk. It's good so. probably for me to start because um... It was a surprise for both of us, but I think that in many ways I broke the ice by by mentioning Dick Williams in a lecture that I was doing at uh, St. Paul University. And uh, I don't remember if that was my first time at St. Paul, but I would imagine that it was. It was um, a prestigious lecture, Gizmacher's lecture, I was chosen by a selected committee and I was giving this, this lecture. Um, and it was in a very important moment of my career was, um, uh, the, the way I, I say this sometimes is that I was a gift of Mozambique to the US. I was sent by the committee of Sant'Egidio to New York to follow the peace process of Mozambique. And while in New York and needing to find a way to survive. I started professionally a center at uh, Columbia University, the Center for International Conflict Resolution and uh, became interested in uh, not only doing conflict resolution with the community of Sant'Egidio, Mozambique, Algeria, and many other places, but also thinking about conflict resolution, trying to understand conflict resolution, trying to explain it and so on. So when I did the lecture, I was at the beginning of an exposure to Bernard Lonegran and uh, 
the friendship with Ken Melchin and the group that then later gave birth to the inside approach and so on. But the issue that I felt was very important in front of us was this issue of learning from the past in creative ways. I'm Catholic, I'm a devout Catholic, and studying uh, past experiences of occasions in which Catholic had killed uh, other Christians, I came across the story of Dirk, Dirk Willems. And I was touched by the story itself, but also by the tradition, the Anabaptist tradition of remembering Dirk, not as a way to uh, invite children to take revenge on Catholic, to be violent against Catholic, to get even with Catholic and so on, but rather to learn from Dirk uh, the virtue of uh, life-giving sacrifice. And so I was, I was uh, deeply touched by the, the story itself and by the 400 years old, 500 years old tradition about this tradition of remembering it regularly in family settings and, and so on. So in the middle of the, of the lecture, I'm making this point of the responsibility of remembering and the responsibility of reconstructing the past as a liberating force for energies and possibilities that we are not um, considering because we are stuck into the conflict, especially the violent one, where we are um, uh, defined by the interests and forces and power structures and so on and so forth. And so I mentioned Dirk uh, with, great, uh, with great appreciation, with great uh, surprise and so on and so forth. Little did I know that Vern was a Mennonite and he heard the story obviously as a young kid. Now the story is yours. Okay, so uh, from my perspective, I had uh, been uh, hired by St. Paul University to um, lead the development of a conflict studies program um, I had done my PhD in the Faculty of, of Theology um, and, and was now a lone Mennonite working for, the Mennonite, for, for a Catholic institution. And one of my professors had been Ken Melchin, who now was a colleague, and um, he, he thought that I would I would really like Andreas for some reason. <laughs> and, and he thought Andreas would be a great person to present a Glasmacher lecture. And so he and I made a joint application to the uh, to, to the university to have Andreas uh, give the lecture. Um, so it fell to me to chair the meeting. And so I introduced Andreas and and uh, in the middle of his lecture, he told the story about somebody who was different. And because he was different, he was persecuted. The community turned on him. And, and then as he told the story of this person who was different and persecuted, how he was running away and, and got over the ice and, and the person trying to apprehend him fell through the ice, Dirk went back and and helped him out. And as soon as I heard that, I figured, oh, <laughs> I know where this story comes from. <laughs> uh, and it blew me away that somebody who was a Catholic would talk about, uh, first of all, tell the story about Dirk, because the Catholics do not come out well in the story. 
and uh, hold them up as a positive example and um, and say that we should be learning together about this. And I figured, wow, this is this is really something because as a as a tiny minority group, which the Mennonites are, um, there's not a whole lot of positive recognition from other Christian groups. And so I, I was deeply moved to have this happen. And and so when it was over, I identified myself as a Mennonite and told them how much it meant. And the two of us spontaneously embraced on stage. And so it was a sort of a profound um, symbolic action of Mennonite Roman Catholic reconciliation on the micro level uh, through this example of um, of Dirk Willems. Um, so as I, I, I think it's really important uh, that all of us in whatever tradition have a capacity for self-critical reflection. And Andreas uh, demonstrated that capacity by looking at his own tradition through the lens of what happened to Dirk and thousands of other Anabaptists who were who were killed during the time of uh, the Reformation. And I think likewise, it falls to us as um, Mennonites, Anabaptists to look at our own tradition uh, critically, or at least take a step back enough to say, can we understand some of the things that were pushing that kind of persecution? So if you think about it, uh, the Anabaptists uh, made a number of truth claims based on their understanding of the New Testament. Uh, one of these truth claims was that, that people are responsible themselves for their own uh, belief position and uh, their relationship with God. Uh, there's nothing magical from the outside that can change that. And it's the person's own interior orientation and transformation uh, that becomes important. And the corollary of that understanding was that uh, adults are the ones who should be baptized. It should baptism should happen as a result of a recognition of this inner transformation. And um, to baptize children uh, doesn't leave the openness for them to decide for themselves. A second uh, key part of this is that their reading of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, taking the verses um, quite literally about loving their enemies, meant that uh, one couldn't go out and be vengeful and uh, harm one's enemies, which meant that for someone who was following Jesus and for Mennonites, Nachfolge, the following after Jesus was really important. Um, you couldn't do that and go killing your enemies, which meant that you really couldn't be part of the armed forces. Uh, a third thing that emerged uh, out of their understanding of the New Testament uh, that was radical at the time was that there should be a separation of church and state. And so leading up to the Reformation, we had the concept in the church, and it was one church of Corpus Christianum, the body of Christ, that the whole population was the body of Christ together. And, and so 
this body of Christ, this Corpus Christianum, was jointly led by the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire in, in Central Europe uh, and by the bishops um, and church leaders and ultimately the pope. And the pope was involved in, in the coronation of the emperor and so on. Um, so these three ideas were a, a core threat to the existence of the church-state structure that existed at the time. I don't think the Catholics at the, had thought it through that time, but at a visceral level, they said, here are people advocating things that if these beliefs became widely accepted, it would lead to the unraveling of the system that they had. And, um, and I don't think that people from my tradition have, have um, always acknowledged the degree to what they were, that what they were proposing uh, was indeed a, a very deep threat to what was going on. So let me continue on my side that uh, um, what touched me about the story was also that uh, the person that was saved by Dirk wanted him to be saved, right? The guard that, uh, that, uh, that uh, was saved. And that several of the people around uh, that, that understood the episode and, and so on actually wanted him to be alive. And it was the authority exactly in this uh, link of religious power and secular power that Verne was describing, that forced the execution, and not only an execution, but an execution through burning that lasted for two days. It was a very painful one, was a terrible thing, was a public uh, thing and so on. And I think it's important to realize that as a Catholic, I'm very used to articulation, right? Many people that are not Catholic fail to see how different Catholics are within. So you have St. Francis that goes to speak with the uh, Muslim leader and, uh, uh, and, and in the middle of the Crusades is calling for peace and conversions and so on. But of course you have a lot of Crusaders that are killing others and so on and so forth. So Christianity in the, on the Catholic side has been always very articulated and Sant'Egidio is part of this articulation. It's a post-Vatican II, very ecumenical, very open, very diverse, you know, as, 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 as Verne was noticing. So what I was noticing is that in Dirk's story, this articulation is almost spontaneous. That is the story itself that is in a way uh, inviting everyone to decide, where, where do you stand? You know, where are you? And this reminded me of a beautiful expression of um, a very famous Italian priest, uh, Lorenzo Milani, a Jewish origin, uh, original priest of Florence that uh, was priest when, I, when we were growing up and uh, was always calling for this um, logic of responsibility, you know, the faith as, an, as, a respons as, as a social responsibility and so on. So I, I felt immediately that as a Catholic, it was important for me to remember the story. And after the embrace with Verne, even more that this was actually something that I had to do 
in a public form, right? That, that, that he and I were meant to be saying the story together, that the story told by an Anabaptist and a Catholic together after Vatican II, after so much change in Christianity, after so much change globally and so on and so forth, after so much change in, in, in the human understanding of violence, in the human understanding of power, in the human understanding of um, um, power structures and states and so on and so forth, that this could, could be a conversation that, is, that could be very liberating for a lot of people, certainly within Christianity, but probably beyond Christianity. Insofar, we are inviting everybody to be reflective, to be open to what the Spirit is saying and so on and so forth. I think we, we are starting something very important. Yeah, and, and um, we, we would never know whether the um, degree of connection between us would have been the same had you omitted that story from your presentation. Um, I mean, it was certainly a catalyst to a, a deep bonding between us. And, and what that bonding between us did is it led to um, a number of follow-up kinds of uh, activities, including uh, a few years later when you became dean at um, George Mason University, um, inviting me to provide a guest presentation there, and, and that had its own spin-off effects, uh, including uh, an encounter with you and um, other editors, authors around the whole subject of uh, going from practice to theory rather than theory to practice and and a number of things like that. And then later on, uh, you being involved in integrative peace building and that is its own story as well. That's why knowledge.